0: I'm Lindsay, and I'm Sarah, and together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories.
1: Today, it's
0: mailbag time! Hooray! So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in.
1: It's
0: mailbag, it's mailbag time! Wow. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for sending in your Mm -hmm. awesome cetacean questions. Much appreciated, and we're very excited to answer them.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. So our first question comes from Lisa Anderson, a patron. Thank you so much, Lisa. Her question is, I've been thinking about dorsal fins, why some whales have huge dorsal fins, like adult male orcas, and some have little ones, like humpbacks, and some have none at all, like belugas. I'd love to hear more on that topic. Starting at... The small, or the none at all, like belugas and narwhals, they are specifically adapted. We talked about this with bowheads, right? This is really yeah, a Yeah, we did. Or on the Big Miracle episode recently, we talked about whales in the Arctic who don't have dorsal fins. Um, and that is to help break through the ice. And if they had big dorsal fins, they wouldn't be able to go up through the ice at all. And so, yeah, so that's one of the reasons why they have small ones. But then... And then the big ones, like killer whales, um, there's definitely sexual dimorphism between males and females, as you will have seen if you look at any photos of killer whales, um, especially. And then also size differences in males between residents and bigs and other ecotypes of killer whales. Some of the bigs' um, dorsal fins are absolutely bonkers in height. Um, we're not entirely sure, but it might have something to do with mate selection of who has... The biggest dorsal fin I actually just saw a post today because we're recording on Valentine's Day about L forty-one Mega who had off who's sired at least twenty-one offspring and he had a giant dorsal fin. That's why his name is Mega. <laughs> so so there we go. Some correlation. But yeah, there are some trade-offs, speed and maneuverability, of course. Um if your dorsal fin is super heart super large um so another trade-off is thermoregulation of course because that's the part of your body that has to stay the appropriate temperature that you need it to be so that's something that you have to spend energy on so hopefully this big dorsal fin you have to keep warm helps you make a lot of babies yeah or um, catch food yeah exactly uh, and there's a really cool synthesis in um a link that we'll put in the show notes uh An article called Dorsal Fins, From Killer Whales to Narwhals.
1: (laughs) Uh, So from the biggest to the nothingest. One other thing we can add is just like, what is the function of Mm. a dorsal fin in particular? Um, So regardless of whether it's huge or small, ultimately a dorsal fin is just to help stabilize the cetacean as it's traveling through the water looks sorry not looks it functions like the rudder of a boat it kind of like helps you stay upright Mm -hmm. while you're going Mm -hmm. but you know the speed at which you travel and the maneuverability that you need evolutionarily speaking Mm -hmm. would impact how large that grew within the confines that Lindsay mentioned
0: yeah and then you know something like a humpback they have giant pectoral fins that help with Mm -hmm. stability so then they probably don't need as big of a dorsal fin because they've got Two giant sideways stabilizers. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. Oh, so much variety. Okay. Uh, our next question comes from Rusty. Uh, and she's wondering, with the quieter oceans, especially during COVID or since COVID, are they more talkative? And the answer to that is not really. Yeah. So through COVID, vessel traffic went down. Overall, ocean noise... Um, drop down with some studies uh, that we can sort of cite in the show notes uh, that show that recorded noise was over half as loud as the 2018 and 2019 recorded levels. And we also know that vessel noise changes cetacean behavior. So they that means they need to be closer together to vocalize. Um, they can also be heard repeating themselves, basically, like, um, m- like more frequent calls that sound the same. And it can also increase... Uh, the stress hormone cortisol in their bodies um so the answer for rusty's question in particular is we haven't really seen anything specifically that they were more talkative but it would have been easier for them to talk absolutely and also easier i guess for scientists to hear them but also harder because of COVID, other reasons (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, yeah there's
2: actually a really good study about mm-hmm. 9-11 mm. um, because that was a much shorter time period when there was no vessel traffic um, right in the waters around on the east coast at all completely yeah um, so there was a lot of studies done then because it was easier for scientists to go out yeah. and drop do things at that point but oh, okay. yeah those studies again also took like 15 years for them to reach my eyes Mm -hmm. so who knows what um things we'll learn from that whatever amount of time it was that everything was shut down
0: (laughs) yeah um we also will link in the show notes there's an article about sort of general environmental impacts of COVID-19 uh and not just on the oceans but it's available for free and it's really interesting um and like sort of the scope of the changes and impacts that we're seeing
1: our next question comes to us from amanda on instagram and she asked which whale has the coolest teeth now this is obviously a subjective question so uh instead of me just arbitrarily deciding since i'm the one answering this which whale has the coolest teeth i am going to propose three options for consideration uh, and then each of us can vote and (laughs) see how we feel so my proposals are ginkgo-toothed beak whales. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> which we have spoken about before mm-hmm. in our beaked whale episode, but for those of you who didn't listen to that or uh, who have, are, are new listeners, hi, welcome, we're nerds. And second, ginkgo-toothed beak whales have teeth that look like ginkgo leaves, which are a very, very, very cool plant. Um, I have one in my front yard, but that's not the only reason I love them. And the leaves are are kind of like butterflies. They're they're beautiful. And their teeth are therefore also really cool. So that's my first option for consideration. My second option for consideration are specifically offshore orcas. Mm -hmm. And their teeth being cool because they don't have them much anymore. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah they
1: they shave um, them down because
0: of all their correct. sharks because so all they, the sharks yeah
1: all of the sharks uh, so again if you aren't super familiar with offshore killer whales offshore killer whales one of their largest prey sources are sharks sharks have very tough skin similar to sandpaper because it's covered in little teeth-like structures called dentricles and so offshore killer whale teeth are sanded down over time to the point that adults, have just nubbins. They're kind of, They end up looking like really ragged molars. Yeah. Which are not what whale teeth usually look like. So that's my second option for consideration. And my final option for consideration is the narwhal. That was... Mm.
2: Yeah. That was my guess also.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Specifically because the narwhal's tusk is their tooth. And, I mean, they're a unicorn. So... Yeah. I mean, I mean this go.
0: question is teeth... Plural, so I'm gonna mm. go with ginkgo toothed whales because too. all of their teeth are cool. Whereas yeah. narwhals only but have some one. Some cool narwhals tooth. have two of them. Some do. That's true. Some do. I don't know. It's it's a it's like a tie in different directions. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm going with ginkgo. Yeah. And regardless, narwhals are cool, but their tooth is very um, boring shaped. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yes, it's large, Five but it's not a good long. Yeah. Tusk is yeah boring. it just the whole shape yeah the whole tooth just looks the same the whole way along yeah like what's yeah. that about
1: <laughs> I love that so much actually so there we go uh Amanda and all listeners feel free to come to your own conclusions there but those are what we propose are the three different sets of coolest teeth in Amazing. the cetacean world
2: Rosa Lott from Instagram asks where and when is the best time to see cetaceans in Canada
1: Great question.
2: For here in the West Coast, Salish Sea, it's usually between May and October. Um, Grey whales are a little bit earlier, March to April. And if you are lucky and spend your entire day staring out in the water, you will also see orcas all year round. There was, J-Pod was out today.
0: Yeah. But been
2: again, you got to you got to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanted to go whale watching, May to October is your best bet to see all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Saint Lawrence, it's May to October. East coast of Canada, July to September. And Hudson's Bay, where I will go one day, mm-hmm. June to September.
0: Yeah, so basically summer
2: summer (laughs) not really a surprise yeah
0: both because the whales are there but also because you can get out and see them Mm -hmm. (laughs) amazing uh our next question comes from anita who would like to ask about fin whales and their main characteristics she says i know they are the second biggest whales on earth after blue whales but i don't know much more about them i hope to go on a whale watch to see them too uh yeah me too (laughs) um me too (laughs) so we uh did a whole fin whale episode um sometime in the past (laughs) and (laughs) we will have a link for that in the show notes but a quick summary so uh finwheels have distinct coloration they are black or like a dark brown gray on their back and their sides and they are white underneath but the most sort of distinct part of their distinct coloration is that their head coloring is asymmetrical so they are dark on the left side of their lower jaw and then the right side of their lower jaw is white Um, And then the tongue is the reverse of that, which is also weird. Um, That's so so (laughs) weird. Yeah. Many fin whales also have several light gray sort of V-shaped chevrons behind their heads. And on many of them, the underneath of their tail flukes is white with a gray border. Uh, So these markings on their flukes are unique to the individuals and so then can be used through photo identification to identify individual fin whales. Um, Good luck with your whale watching, and if you do see some fin whales, we would love to hear your story.
2: Yeah, yeah. It feels like fin whales were like, in the race, they're like, we're going to be the biggest, and then they lost, and they're like, fine, we're going to come up with really weird colors, but we're still going to be gray. Yeah,
1: gray, (laughs) but cool patterns.
2: Cool patterns, gray.
1: Very cool patterns that most people can't see because we don't spend a lot of time Because we don't do much.
2: Yeah. But we're cool looking. Take that, blue whales.
1: Yeah. Your blueness. So <laughs> cool. Silver metal
2: and so many things, but yeah.
1: We love you, fin whale. hmm. Okay. Our next question also on Instagram comes to us from Tiffany. Tiffany asks, I know a lot of information about orca brains, but struggle to find concrete research on humpback gray and other baleen whale brains. Oh, don't we all? Tiffany? <laughs> Specifically, it seems like she's wondering, do they share similar components like the paralimbic lobe, insular cortex, and do they undergo gyrification? Well, <laughs> Tiffany, <laughs> listeners, Linz and Sarah,
0: yes, may yes. I
1: invite you into the deep, deep hole that is my Google Scholar <laughs> search on cetacean brain anatomy.
2: Too bad it wasn't a really, really specific uh, category on Jeopardy, you would win.
0: Right? Yeah. So good. <laughs> Cetacean neural anatomy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the short
1: answer to your question, Tiffany, is yes, they have similar structures. Um, most mammalian brains, from what I was able to gather, have a paralimbic lobe and an insular cortex and many mammalian brains go through gerification. Uh, so the process of adding more layers to the cortex as it, as it grows, um, and learns. Woo. (laughs) Um, as for specific information about other cetacean brains, that is a much more complicated. And unfortunately, as, uh, frequent listeners to the podcast will know, uh, we've always, always, always strive to provide links to free to access research. Unfortunately, this is a question that is almost impossible to dig deeper into with free-to-access research, from what I could tell. Um, I was able to find one fantastic free full article on humpback whales, specifically, like you asked for, Tiffany. So that is The Structure of the Cerebral Cortex of the Humpback Whale by Patrick Hoff and all his colleagues. Um, And we will include a link to that in the show notes. It has fabulous images of... Every nook and cranny of a humpback whale's brain that you would love to ever
2: want to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So uh that's a really, really great place to start if you or any of our listeners are really interested in yeah, neural anatomy. I could not find even a pay to purchase article. Sorry, that's the same thing. <laughs> like a pay to read. Um, a purchasable article specifically on grey whale neural anatomy. I, I honestly, I just don't know if it's out there. Um, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time trying different search terms, including both spellings of grey whale. <laughs> as well as their Latin name. Um, I just, I just couldn't find it. That doesn't mean it's not out there. It just means it's very very hard to find. Um, I found a for purchase article specifically on bowhead whale brains. So since you seem interested, Tiffany, in baleen whale brains, uh, this was called a comparison of the cortical structure of the bowhead whale with other cetaceans by Mary Ann Raganti. Um, and I'll include the link to that in the show notes, but again, just just be aware that that is a purchase article now for those of our listeners who are in academics or attending university or 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 college or or any sort of post post secondary institution, you may be able to access that for free through your university library catalog. man, do I miss that?
2: <laughs> mm, I know right.
1: Like the only reason I would ever consider going back to school, <laughs> I'm
2: sure we could find a
1: better way, probably true, probably true um, and then, for those of you with just access to a library, if this is really, really interesting to you, I would highly recommend that you check out from your local library might have to go to a university library, but the Marine mammal encyclopedia it was last published in two thousand and nine, so you know it's due for an update at some point here. But it is, first and foremost, an incredible book. Wish I owned my own copy. I've only ever been able to use it through various uh, professional categories where people I work with have it at their desk, Um, because it's very, very large and also very, very expensive if you want to buy one yourself. But they have an entire chapter in the Marine Mammal Encyclopedia on the morphology of the cetacean brain. And from what I could tell from the snippets I was able to access, because I didn't, I wasn't able to get my hands on an actual physical copy of the book in the time since we got this question from Tiffany. Um, there's probably a lot more information there to answer Tiffany's question. Hmm. And finally, if you're interested in how we actually study cetacean brains, um, specifically like get images of them, then I did find a free article that looks at the neuroimaging of cetacean brains using. Computed Tomography and Magnetic Resonance Imaging
0: by Brian Cott. Yes, because as cool as it would be to study the brain of a humpback whale while they're swimming around, uh, MRIs are still um, pretty (laughs) (laughs) terrestrial-based and uh, not able to go underwater. Um, Not yet. uh, Yeah, so until they figure out a way to study brains on... um, giant water swimming things? aquatic <laughs> animals um yeah we have to do this all post-mortem um, mm-hmm. yeah so we only are looking so much at harder. the structure of these brain sections brains um but still cool
2: mm-hmm. um so now we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can help support the podcast and everything we do here at whale Tales.
0: you can join us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash whale tails P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash whale tails. You can join us for a dollar a month at the porpoise level, five dollars a month at the dolphin level, or ten dollars a month at the whale level. And then each level comes with a
1: variety of perks, like polls, discounts on our merch, thank you postcards signed by all three of us whenever we get the chance to be together, which is rare, but awesome. So it's also those postcards are infused with our love. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> as well as our actual signatures. <laughs> Plus, you can have access to extended interviews and stories with guests. You, if you are at certain levels, can produce your own Fun Flipper fact segment. And we have a new perk for our whale level patrons, which is access to our Whale Tales Watches special Patreon only podcast where we watch a cetacean or marine biology related movie. Our first ever was we watched Big Miracle, and then we talk about what they got wrong, what they got right, and our pettiest of pet peeves (laughs) (laughs) from the science perspective of some uh, great and not so great Hollywood marine classics.
2: So just want to say thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are amazing. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sending in questions. Thank you for everything.
0: If you aren't able to support us financially, there are still things that you can do to help out the podcast and everything we're doing at Whale Tales. You can leave us a rating or a review on your podcast platform of choice, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also tell people about the podcast and just about Whale Tales in general. Uh, tell your cetacean-y, science-y, podcast-loving friends and so that they can listen and follow along too. And you can follow us on social media
1: at Whaletails underscore org and send us your feedback so that we can keep making the podcast even better.
2: Now, back to the questions. Uh, Carl says, what does whale poop look like? And can whales fart? Um, whale poop I would looks- also like to note,
1: oh. Carl hmm? is a fully grown adult. <laughs> <dog child laughs> asking these questions. It's fine. Excellent. Everybody,
2: Everybody poops. poops. <laughs> um, similar to birds. It's the first thing I could think of. Um, whale poop is pretty liquidy because it's a mix, and it goes out into the water. Um, It is a variety of different colors, depending on what they eat. I know blue whales, it's like neon yellow. Um, There's a video that I'll put on social of a blue whale pooping, and it's really gross, because uh, a blue whale produces a lot of poop. Yeah. Because it's big.
0: (laughs) That makes sense.
2: (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so the, the basic answer is it's pretty liquidy, but... With some chunks that float. If you <laughs> what, and people go searching. We've got uh, Eba, the poop sniffing dog out here on the Salish Sea, who sniffs out um, southern resident poop, which pe- scientists collect and study to study the health of, si- of southern residents. So it is collectible. It's just way less into shape that you yeah. would
0: think. And you gotta think be, you the, gotta be fast before it spreads you gotta be out.
2: Very fast before it spreads out and sinks. Yeah. Um so yes poop, not poop emoji shaped. <laughs> and as for farting, yes, gas exists Every all of the universe. Isn't that beautiful? Including whale's butts.
0: <laughs> and <laughs>
2: this is my poem that I wrote. A beautiful, um, beautiful. Yeah. whales whales fart um we just don't notice because they're
0: underwater yeah
2: and there's bubbles everywhere Mm
0: -hmm. true true amazing okay uh our next question is from jade who asks can whales have twins and the answer to that is theoretically yes but um it's never really ended in a successful twin live birth uh as far as we know um there is some evidence and we go into pretty extensive details uh we did a whole reproductive episode was that a couple of years ago um yeah we'll it was like to- episode two or something oh okay ages ago yeah so we did a whole episode on whale reproduction and we talk about um twins and multiple births and some actual like historical um information about that and um, so yeah we'll link that episode for you in the show notes um yeah because we definitely go into way more detail there but Basically, theoretically, yes, but practically, no. It's just very
1: hard to, like, if you think about what a cetacean calf has to do as soon as they're born. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. have to be able to swim and get themselves up to the surface to breathe. Immediately. Yeah. And And keep doing that.
0: Big (laughs) enough to be able to do that. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That, you know, the amount of space. If you think about human twins, Mm -hmm. they are often, not always, but often underweight Mm -hmm. at birth. Mm -hmm. um and if you think about and also twins are are sometimes early yeah so if you think about that and how that would translate to just the sort of viability of a cetacean baby it's really really hard and also (laughs) the
0: they you know they only have one parent like father Mm -hmm. cetaceans are as far as we know not at all involved in any cases um sometimes there's like um other you know Communal parenting, sort of that happens, um, but like the mom, ma- the mother cetacean has to be able to like push them up to the surface, and they can't always do that with two. Also, so no, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and also like like the birthing process mm-hmm. can take a long time, like yeah. mm-hmm. w- um, humans, and so I don't even know how successful birth would be. Yeah, like how many adult whales have not survived just because. One co- is there, and you she can't really move.
0: Yeah, and then mm-hmm. it comes
2: out, and you got to deal with all that, and then it happens again while you've got this other one, and you're trying to keep it up. Like it's yeah,
0: yeah, all kinds you know, of complications. Just exert too so many hard. Reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impractical.
1: Mm-hmm. And evolution does mm-hmm. not usually favor the impractical. Yeah, that that So
2: correct.
0: like, You know, the Unless same you're reason the
2: ginkgo toothed whale. Well.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're. I mean, sure, sure, those teeth have a function um yeah like it seems like it's hard to know for sure because you don't know how many twins like don't um, yeah exactly aren't successfully Mm -hmm. like carried to gestation in whales. but like it seems like there's it's even more random and rare than it is in humans where it's like a manageable doable thing most of the time Mm -hmm. to have twins so yeah
1: yeah I would be really curious to see and I don't know that there's any way that we would ever know this because of just like the the complete lack of success rate right, mm-hmm. of twins. But like are they what are the two different kinds of twins in humans? Fraternal, well there's paternal fraternal and fraternal and identical. And
0: identical. There's more types than that, but those are the two main ones. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, like I'd be curious to see even like even how that would work. Like just cellularly, what mm. kind of twins they would have been in the very few times that we know mm-hmm. that it's happened.
2: Well, start working on that waterproof MRI machine, and we'll get there.
0: Well, they can do multi- they, you can do waterproof ultrasounds. It's pretty easy. I know actually. you can, but yeah. you got
2: to find the whales. You gotta first. Got to find the whales first. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be like, excuse me, ma'am, and just like <laughs> stick I this scan giant thing uterus, on your first, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to find the twin ones. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's a lot.
1: And do some DNA. Yeah. And also, don't you have to stay still in an MRI machine? Yes. Well, not in this magical
2: waterproof one that we're going to create and become rich like Tony Stark. Amazing. And then we can buy all the encyclopedias that we want. Anyway.
1: You get an encyclopedia. You get an encyclopedia. (laughs) New Patreon perk. (laughs) There we go. Oh, which is a great tie back to our last question, which comes from a patron, Dorothy. She asks, if you could come back to Earth as a whale or a dolphin, which type would you be and why? This question is for all three of
0: you. Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I would like to come back as a whale now or in the future, not like 200 years ago, mm-hmm. for starters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe a sperm whale? They seem very chill. They eat squid, which I remember being delicious when I used to eat squid. Yeah. I'm going to go with sperm whale. Well.
2: Yeah. yeah. I want to be something very elusive in that lives in the offshore, like that beaked whale off Japan that they've only seen once, just <laughs> to keep people guessing and having to in- update that encyclopedia constantly, because nobody <laughs> knows what I look like, but I'm there, and they've only seen my brain, my skull once on a beach, and Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, rare beaked oh, like whale. Nice. <laughs> rare yeah. beaked whale. Rare beaked whale. You get to go real deep down in the ocean.
2: Yay! Yeah. Bag. Yeah. I'll have all the secrets and I will know what kind of species I am, but nobody else will.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amazing. Uh, I've been thinking about this. I've been flip flopping on this all day in preparation for recording, honestly. And I, similar to you, Lynn, I wanted to be something far away from people. that yeah, was my, that was immediate my first thought is being far away from people. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> far, far away from people. And so I started, I went to the Antarctic. And I was like, mm. oh, I do love orcas, obviously. Uh, I think they're probably my favorite animal of all time. Antarctic orcas are super, super cool. But then I couldn't decide on a type. because <laughs> mm. <laughs> like there's so many different types. So
0: you could leave I that up to on, in
1: hypothetical. That is true. That's true. Uh, I've settled on the hourglass dolphin Ooh. Because I love hourglass dolphins. They are so cool looking. They have probably, to be fair, more of the temperament that I would do well in if I was to come back as <laughs> a dolphin. I uh, am a little maybe more energetic and loud than some other cetacean species are allowed to be. And they are also very, very far from people. And also similar to your vein lens, like we've only seen them, what, like four or five times? Less than 10. I think less than 10, you know, recently documented cases through Western science's eyes of hourglass dolphins. But I'd have so many buddies because they're like a hundred. That's my, that's my answer. I would be an hourglass dolphin. And I think that. Brings us to the end of our episode. We would love to hear any more questions that you have. We'll save them for our next mailbag episode. Mm-hmm. And we'd also love to hear what whale or cetacean of any kind you would like to be. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah shout a- out
2: to the porpoises that um, yeah. didn't get any mentions there.
0: Yeah. We love you. Yeah. Sorry, porpoises. They're too They're, just they're too low so on the food chain for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> Way too close Sorry. to shore. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Too many, too many factors there. So regardless of whatever kind of feedback you'd love to give us, then we would like you to visit our website at whale-tales.org to find links to all of our social media handles so that you can tell us all the things.
0: You can also head to our website to subscribe to this podcast, check out our merchandise, learn more about supporting us and joining us over on Patreon, and you can read over 1,200 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories.
2: That's whale-tales.org. Tales like the stories, not tales like the animal.
0: And if you've seen a cetacean, we would love to add your story to our library. You can click the share link on our website. You can contact us on social media at Whaletails underscore org, or you can email us a voice memo and tell us all about your incredible cetacean encounter.
2: Finally, we want to acknowledge that we recorded today's episode on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples and the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil waututh nations.
1: As well as, since I'm not in my usual recording place today, I am specifically recording on the traditional territories of the lekwungen speaking people, also known as the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations. Thank you again so much, everybody, for listening and for supporting us. We love you so much, and we hope you have a whaley great day.